This is the Cigar Snob Podcast. I'm Nick Jimenez. Spend enough time around professional chefs and you'll find that they are, disproportionately, lovers of premium cigars. Maybe it's the need to relax after all the long hours in the kitchen or the fact that they have refined palates to appreciate complex flavors. Whatever it is, it's been my experience that you are more likely to find fellow cigar smokers among the chef ranks than most other professions. Recently, our own Eric Calvino got a chance to chat with Michael Beltran, the chef and partner at Ariette, a great new Miami restaurant. They talked about his perspective on food, how it was informed by his leaving Miami for a time, and how Domino's played a role in his developing a passion for cigars. Before we get into that interview, a word from our episode sponsor, Safra Rum. At Cigar Snob Magazine, we know that man cannot live on water alone, which is why we keep a healthy stockpile of Safra Rum at the office. I'm Nick Jimenez, Senior Editor of Cigar Snob Magazine, and I'm here to tell you that every time we crack open a bottle of Safra Rum, we are impressed. In fact, I'm kind of hydrating with Safra Rum right now. It's unlike anything else, in part because of Safra's small batch approach. They use only hand-cut sugarcane and process it into top-grade molasses, distill in column stills, and ferment in a proprietary locally grown yeast. The rum master then ages the virgin rum in carefully selected bourbon oak casks. The end result is a rum masterpiece that's great for top shelf cocktails, drinking it on the rocks, or even just drinking it neat, which, by the way, is what we did when we paired this in the pages of Cigar Snob Magazine with the Oliva Serie B Melanio, but it goes great with just about any cigar. Here's what we had to say about Safra rum. Quote, the rum introduces smooth, honey, caramel, and molasses flavors that start to complement the coffee, chocolate, and spice from the cigar. Safra also received an exceptional 95-point rating from the Beverage Tasting Institute, so we are not the only ones who are crazy about this stuff. It's just another one of their prestigious awards. Ask for Safra Rum at your favorite retailer, restaurant, or bar. Make sure you follow them on Facebook and Instagram at Safra Rum. That's Z-A-F-R-A rum safra rum always drink responsibly and remember that there is no rum without safra all right now here's eric's interview with chef michael beltran let's let's talk about about your restaurant let's talk about uh first let's start with the name right so ariette uh ariette is spelled a-r-i-e-t-e that's right and uh where does where does that name come from uh, just so happened that my my grandparents worked at a restaurant on Pinata Rio called Area, and they didn't own it. They ended up owning a restaurant later, but it was like a um, restaurant inside of a home in the back. I mean, you know how that works. Yeah, and Cuba. So that that didn't have a name, but Area is a name that they remembered. So, kind of when we got down to picking those final names, that was the only one that stood out that had a lot of personality. Much more than the other ones. So Ariette and and the meaning of it though. So they uh, worked at that at that restaurant, but the, the word Ariette has several different meanings. Right. I mean, in in different languages, it has different meanings. Um, you know, I think in Italian it means like Lord of the Manor, or maybe that's uh, like the Spanish. But the one that we stuck with was Battering Ram. Um, a lot of people don't know what a battering ram is. Okay. It kind of always shocks me. But the battering ram, the battering ram 
kind of what we what we wanted to use that to like signify coming into the Grove and being this type of cuisine that we're doing. We thought it was it was a big move, and we thought we were kind of breaking some molds and something that we do with our cuisine and with who we are is we like to live outside of the box. So doing something and breaking molds is something that we really wanted to I'm breaking with. down doors, right? I mean, right. I mean, that is what a battering for those that don't know what a right. battering ram is. Yeah. They, they, um, I think we definitely broke down some doors here. Yeah, for sure. Um, and going into our third year, we plan to continue doing that. And, our name is a big part of our personality and who we are. So. Sure, your identity in the, in the neighborhood, right? Absolutely. But at the same time that you're breaking down doors, uh, the the restaurant has a very welcoming vibe to it. Sure. Uh, and I think it has a, you know, it has an understated element to it, mm-hmm. right? When you the the sign is a very small yep. uh, sign that's kind of hanging from a tree. Yes. And and the menu is, uh, they're all very approachable foods. And just to give people a, a sense of the kind of food we're talking about, it's it does have a very, it has a Cuban sort of soul yeah. to it. Mm-hmm. And and it has, uh, and it involves a lot of local ingredients. So where, where do you, where do you, how do you come up with this sort of food concept? The title of our food, New World American. Uh, is a combination of kind of this new American cuisine with what um, my background is, which was new world cuisine. And really all that means is it gives us range. Being classically French trained and then using that Miami approach to a lot of things is really the, I'd say, the inspiration behind the food. And then the bigger the bigger element is being local, being seasonal, working with farmers around us, working with whatever's in season, um, you know, trying to use our our local farmers as much as possible is is a really big deal to us. You know, I've been buying from the same farmers for about eight years, and you know, they really they do an amazing job every year. Every year, it's new products, things that they were told they weren't going to be able to grow, and now it's things that they're really starting to take to the next level. So, so just to touch on uh, on your Miami background, you grew up here. You were born here. Born and raised. Yeah, born and raised here in Miami, and uh, you played football in in high school, and oh, then uh-huh. and then you go off to college. So that's kind of like your first uh, the first time you leave Miami is for college. Yep. And so give us give us what that was like, right? So you know, no more. No more patelitos and, and right. cafecito on the corner. You went to Virginia. Yeah, it was um, at that point in life. It was important for me to leave Miami. Miami was was a big comfort element for me, and there was things that it, you know I, I felt like it was time to go explore some other things. I didn't know that you know Danville, Virginia, would end up being what it was, um, but I was there for four years and. Being there really opened my eyes to a lot of things. One, how much I missed this city. And two, um, how many things I didn't experience because I had never really gone anywhere. You know, just from a food standpoint, I never knew what real biscuits taste like. Or, you know, I never knew what biscuits and gravy were. But yeah, like so these southern foods. Right. You know, what real barbecue is. 
smoked meat, um, Brunswick stew, like apple butter, just this whole plethora of things that in a Cuban household you would never, yeah. you would, you know, like you said, it's all pastelitos and cafe con leche, which I do love and I did miss. Um, but yeah, that was, it was huge for me. It was big to see another part of the world and really their food expression because it's very different. And and so, do any of these southern dishes uh, influence you know what you do here at Ariette? I wouldn't say that they influence our food. Uh, I think that they influence me. Um, you know that style of food, that um, approachable, comforting understanding of family, because you know their food is very much about family. Uh, much like ours is, you know, when it comes to the Hispanic culture, but it's the, that real, like, you know, they haven't lost that sensibility of Sunday supper with the whole family or seven o'clock dinner. You know, Miami's a very fast city. Yeah. A lot of that is very different here. So to see that kind of expression towards food, that Southern hospitality, which was a big thing that I had never experienced before, was big. And I think that's what resonated with me more than just like the actual food. We don't really have anything like that on our menu, but understanding what smoked meats were was something that, even at that time that I didn't know, would influence me for a long time. Well, we, we just had some smoked, uh, what tasted like smoked barbecue, uh, smoked wings. Oh, they were smoked. And so, you know, that, that yeah. I mean, you may not uh, like actively think that it influenced you, but... But I think the food did, right? Yeah, I mean, the, I I really do think that the time there was important. Yeah. And with the food being, again, it's that approach, that Southern hospitality, that, like, comforting, you know, we just really want to have this community. I think that was really what, what influenced me the most. And, yeah, you know, I mean, smoked meats are, were a big part of that. Yeah. I never knew what real barbecue was until I moved to... Virginia, no idea, because in Miami, I mean, to us, a barbecue is a grill. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's a totally, exactly. it's a totally different world, you know. I mean, now we're, now things are a little different than what they were 15 years ago. But you know, people are educated more when it comes to like Southern smoked meats. But we're more worldly now. I would say so. Yeah, <laughs> I'd say we have a better understanding. Yeah. Uh, now, your grandparents, uh, that restaurant, the original Ariette that that you spoke of earlier was in Pinar del Rio, yes. which is a region known for tobacco, and you happen to love cigars. I do love cigars. Which is why we're sitting here, down here today. That is, right? that's true. I mean, I, um, I've been smoking cigars for a long time. It's funny because my family's not really cigar smokers. Um, you know they're from Pinar del Rio. Even from Pinar del Rio. I mean, my grandfather just likes his Miller High Lifes. That's pretty much it. <laughs> <laughs> no cigars. Uh, and he likes his pinch. But okay. he's not allowed that anymore in 90. Um, so I don't really remember how I got into cigars. My dad doesn't even smoke cigars. But I picked up a cigar early. And I've never put him down. And it's always been that point of... Um, when I'm having my cigar, is I know when I've reached that point of like pure... I'm relaxed, I'm chill, I can drink a glass of rum, smoke my cigar, and I have very little worries. I mean, that's what a cigar always represented to me. 
Well, that's what it should represent. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's it, it was it was never like a family thing at all, though. It was something I picked up on my own, and I think that has to do with the fact that I like to play dominoes. I think those really were kind of like the so that'll do it. Yeah, I mean, you know, I used to go play dominoes with my dad, and my dad didn't smoke, but he played dominoes, so we would go do it in um, a we would go do it in a cigar shop and. Or like at someone's house. And yeah, I mean, if you want to play dominoes in Miami, uh, cigar shop, you can find a game right away. <sighs> yeah, sometimes, I guess. You know, they don't always play by the rules in cigar shops. Okay, all right. Well, well you'll find that with, with dominoes, guys. I was just in the DR, and they're big in the dominoes. And, yeah, it, whenever you talk to a real domino player, it's always a complaint about, no, this yeah. guy doesn't play by the rules, yeah. or this guy, you know, winks the other guy under the table. Of course. So, yeah. Uh, well, there, you got plenty of chances to test that out here, right? So, uh, forgetting about dominoes for a second, the cigars that you like, what do you, what kind of... Uh, what kind of flavor profile do you look for in a cigar? What do you like? Is it based on the, the time of day or, oh, no, it's or def- do you... Definitely the time of day. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I like... It all depends on the mood, too. I think a lot of people would say time of day, but it's also the mood. You know, like um, this Norteño that I have in my hand right now. Yeah. Um, that's kind of like the mood I woke up in. You know, it's kind of a... I find it's like a medium body smoke. It's kind of like... A, hair spice to it but not too much something I could smoke in the middle of the day and not feel overwhelmed or you know and then if I wanted to smoke like a Liga number nine that's more I feel like of a nighttime smoke and I would like a little like a stronger liquor with that like this Norteño I don't really want any liquor with it I just want to smoke the cigar and maybe and it is a clean yeah so um maybe drink something with bubbles like I don't know beer something nothing heavy um for me, it always depends on the mood uh, and what I've really eaten or I'm going to eat or whatever. I think those are like the biggest um, things for me when it comes to what what I want to smoke that day. Okay. Uh, now, your restaurant has a, a, a patio on the side, a covered oh, patio. Yes. Which uh, you said... You're gonna rebrand as like a rum bar. Yeah, we um, we built this this patio about a month ago, and our real goal was to build an outdoor bar that people could enjoy, have some snacks, smoke cigars, really have like a it's more of like a social area as compared to area that's more like sitting down, let's have dinner. This is more about you know like a social lounge, if you will. And really, for me, it was kind of a selfish move because I really wanted an area that I could smoke cigars. That's what I was about to ask. Yeah, you. I mean, is it more really so it was, that it was, we can get together out here and uh, yeah, smoke it, a cigar with you? It was for me. I wanted an area that we could hang out, smoke a cigar, drink a nice cocktail, and really not interfere with the restaurant at all. Um, and so far, it's worked out very well. I mean, we've just done a few events out there. Um, you know, we smoked cigars, played dominoes, had live music. It was really great time. We're looking to rebrand it as a cocktail bar in the next few weeks and do like a late night happy hour uh, from 9 to 2 in the morning, really based on all rum cocktails. And, uh, you know, we're planning to have live music probably once a month. 
Okay, and so you know, rum has been mentioned several times here. So sure, what uh, and you've mentioned Drew Estate, uh, Drew Estate brands like Herrera, Terri, Norteño, and uh, and Liga Number Nine. So what uh, number one? What rums do you like to pair with cigars, and what do you? What is your philosophy on uh, when you're thinking? Okay, I, I know what the cigar is like. And I want to pair it with this rum. Yeah. What do you, you know, some people match intensities, some people match yeah. level of spice. Or what, what's your philosophy on that? It's more flavor-based, I would think. Yeah, it's more, it's more flavor-based for me. So I know if I'm going to have more of a peppery smoke at nighttime, I'm going to want more of a sweeter rum. So let's say I'll go for a dark rum neat over ice. So, so you're I, looking to complement. Yeah, absolutely. So, I never want anything that's going to battle. I always want something that's, uh, I really, I want to have a puff of my cigar and a sip of my drink, and I want them to be kind of very cohesive. It also depends if this is after dinner or if I'm, you know, this is hours after dinner. You know, if it's later on in the night, that's not really going to influence me, then, you know, I really want the rum and the cigar to go well together. For instance, um, that number nine, I like to smoke that, and drink um, Sakapa because I feel like the flavors work well together. Yeah. And then actually Drew Estate has the dovetail, which I like to go with the Norteño. But then if I'm smoking something... So not Drew Estate, but uh, yeah, Jonathan right. Drew product, right, right, which is the dovetail right. rum. Um, which I, I love that rum. But we have a new cocktail that I came up with. It's like, it's a very interesting combo but it works very well with a good big cigar so i haven't tried it yet but i was thinking something like the opus that we talked about with this drink would work well and it's good for after dinner so uh italians do fernet and coke mm -hmm. cubans do rum and coke so i combined them all together okay so i did fernet rum and coke and we use uh brugal and then we use leatherby which is a small um producer out of Chicago that's doing gins, but then they have this incredible Fernet. And so it's a Leatherby Fernet, the Brugal, and just Mexican Coke, rosemary with some cherries. I love that it's a Mexican Coke. Yeah, and that's a big difference. Oh, I know. Yeah, it's a big, big difference. None of the corn syrup Coke. Yeah. It's good, the uh, real sugar Coke. Which Brugal do you... Uh, I believe we're using the Extra Añejo or... Extra Viejo or 1888? No, the 1888 we put in another one. I think it's the... I think it's a regular Añejo that we put in that one. And it's delicious. It's it's just got like the right amount of everything. Right amount of rum, right amount of Fernet. And the Coke really just brings it all together. So that one I haven't tried, but that's my plan. Is to have the, the Opus X, With the that. Fuente Fuente Opus X with the, uh, what do you call this cocktail? It's called El Dicho. El Dicho? Yeah. Oh, so, okay, cool. Yeah. So, yeah, if you're not in Miami or not from Miami. I'll give you the recipe. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm all about sharing. I'm all about sharing. So, all right, that's good stuff. Now, you're, you're the chef of this popular Miami restaurant right now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm, I'm always fascinated by by the, the restaurant dynamic, right? Like what happens behind the scenes of a restaurant? I remember in when I lived in New York, uh, 
there was always I, I loved uh, Gotham. Right? Oh, man, Alfred Portale. Yeah, that guy is a beast. Freaking awesome. That's Gotham. probably I like Gramercy Tavern. Oh, I did a dinner with him. No kidding, Michael Anthony, absolutely. So. I always love it, like when you'd have a glimpse. Now your restaurant here, the the kitchen is out in the open, so you can look right at it, right. and you can see the chaos in there. Yeah. But what I loved about those is that when when you'd get a glimpse of that restaurant, uh, the the kitchen door opening, mm -hmm. you'd see this like crazy yeah, chaos crazy. back yeah, there, yeah. and then in the front of the house, it all looked beautiful and serene. <laughs> so yeah. how is that? How does that work in the in the restaurant world? I remember when I played football, my coach Mike Dunleavy. Um, he was the defensive coordinator, and he would always say, you know, football is controlled chaos. You are controlling these large human beings that go at each other full speed, and you need them all to do to achieve one thing. You need to make this play work 100%. That was really what was the most attracting thing to the kitchen. Uh, when I started working in restaurants, that so whole attracted you to the kitchen. Yeah, yeah that, that whole like to it. it was a team. We were controlled. It was a little chaotic. It was rough, but man, we were all going for one goal, and that's why I fell in love with it so quickly. You know, we all had a responsibility, and we all had to make it work 100%. And um, at the end of the day, we were a team. If one guy failed, then we all failed. And that was the same way. That was like the biggest correlation I got with football and food was at the very beginning. And it stuck with me for a long time because it's more like a restaurant as a whole. That whole like controlled, put together thing was really what, why when I first stepped in, I had never stepped out again. But, but also, right, so when you talk about this, uh, the relationship between a, a restaurant and football, so in football, if... You know, if one lineman uh, on the offensive side, I know you were defensive, but mm. on the offensive side, one lineman doesn't hold his block or doesn't do his job, the whole play falls apart, right? One running back doesn't pick up a block right. from a blitzing corner, uh, right? The whole play falls apart. So in the, in the kitchen, what is, what, is, uh, what is the equivalent there in the kitchen? Well, I mean, it's, it's pretty simple. Everything is tied together. Everything is, you know, you have everything from the dishwasher them doing their job, them working quick and <clears throat> making sure everything is coming out in a timely fashion, all the way up to the salad cook that if they're having a bad day, things aren't going to fall in line for the entrees. And it seems like everything is taking a long time. And really, it, one person has a bad day, the whole kitchen suffers from it. And it was the same way in football. You know, one person didn't fulfill their block and the whole play would crumble. And that's the same way... I feel every Friday night at around eight fifteen. <laughs> now, uh, you know, in cigars, you have a, a similar a similar problem, right? So, if you you've been making excellent cigars, but your box factory right. uh, hasn't finished making all the boxes, you're in you trouble. Have, you don't have a place to put those cigars right. to ship them. So you have a, you have a, a similar. I think I think football can be applied to to all these different. I industries. I, to I totally believe that. And I say that all the time. So, so far, your, your football analogies work in everything that you enjoy. Yeah. So, so that's good, man. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for, for hosting us. Thank you so much for, the, for your time. So, thanks. 
Thank you so much. And, uh, Thanks to Michael for taking the time to do that interview. I only wish I'd been there, as I have to imagine that Eric and Ivan, who was there, ate pretty well that day. As always, thank you for listening to the Cigar Snob Podcast. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Rate and review us while you're there. You can also find episodes of the podcast at cigarsnobmag.com slash podcast. Share this episode with friends and fellow smokers who you think might be interested in this story. And of course, if you're in Miami, make sure that you're checking out Ariette. You can uh, Google it. It's spelled A-R-I-E-T-E. Again, A-R-I-E-T-E, Ariette. If you're a social media person, you can find us there on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Google+. Just look for Cigar Snob Magazine or Cigar Snob Mag. Finally, make sure to send any feedback, questions, or comments to feedback at cigarsnobmag.com. We might just take a minute to respond to you right here on the podcast or in the pages of Cigar Snob Magazine. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, I'm Nick Jimenez, and this is the Cigar Snob Podcast. At Cigar Snob Magazine, we know that man cannot live on water alone, which is why we keep a healthy stockpile of safra rum at the office. I'm Nick Jimenez, Senior Editor of Cigar Snob Magazine, and I'm here to tell you that every time we crack open a bottle of safra rum, we are impressed. In fact, I'm kind of hydrating with safra rum right now. It's unlike anything else, in part because of Safra's small batch approach. They use only hand-cut sugarcane and process it into top-grade molasses, distill in column stills, and ferment in a proprietary locally grown yeast. The rum master then ages the virgin rum in carefully selected bourbon oak casks. The end result is a rum masterpiece that's great for top-shelf cocktails, drinking it on the rocks, or even just drinking it neat, which, by the way, is what we did when we paired this in the pages of Cigar Snob Magazine with the Oliva Serie B Melanio. But it goes great with just about any cigar. Here's what we had to say about Safra Rum. Quote, the rum introduces smooth, honey, caramel, and molasses flavors that start to complement the coffee, chocolate, and spice from the cigar. Safra also received an exceptional 95-point rating from the Beverage Tasting Institute, so we are not the only ones who are crazy about this stuff. It's just another one of their prestigious awards. Ask for Safra Rum at your favorite retailer, restaurant, or bar. Make sure you follow them on Facebook and Instagram at Safra Rum. That's Z-A-F-R-A Rum. Safra Rum. Always drink responsibly, and remember that there is no rum without Safra.